back to the I Am Symposium, and I'm Renee Barabal, the Practical Shaman, and this first day of this winter solstice is just stunning. I hope you love Deborah's touch drawing, and, and now we're over with uh, Tambra Hark, who's going to tell us a story by the fireplace, and she's up on Whidbey Island where it's gray and windy, and, and it's even a little bit rainy there, and, and you can see the fire, uh, you'll see the fire, and this is just absolutely awesome. And everybody who's in participating in this I Am Symposium are friends of mine. And I just happen to have a lot of great friends all over who do some amazing things. And uh, Tom and I met at the Next Top Spiritual Author competition. And actually, Carol, who you're hearing from today, too, was part of that group, too. And we always called it the Next Top Spiritual Cooperation because we all became friends. And we've all published our books at one time or another. And this event is actually the launch for my new book called Winds of Spirit. Let me tell you about Tambra. Tambra Hark is a masterful guide in the realm of soulful transformation. As a spiritual teacher, healer, speaker, and author, she facilitates clients and audiences around the world to live with great joy, love, and wisdom as they activate their soul-inspired missions in the world. For more than 30 years, she has worked intimately in mystery schools, privately and in retreat settings to bring meaning and deep understanding from the symbolic realms to everyday life. Her clients have ranged from spiritual seekers to global visionaries, but her greatest joy is to shake up expectations of the norm and invite us into living beyond our soulful imaginations. Her warm and insightful presence is said to ignite new realizations and expanded possibility. A lifelong vision has guided her to create new evolutions where souls from around the planet gather to usher us all to, into experience heaven on earth now and in our future. Welcome, 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 welcome. And thank you for setting up a fire and being out in the chili. <laughs> we should show everyone the fire so they can see it. Look, we have a fire going and she's put some cedar in there and she's blessed it. What else? Because Tom is a sacred fire keeper. I am. She loves her fires. Yeah. Yeah. And move, I'll tell you, moving here um, woke that in me more than I had ever known. Um, it, it's extraordinary. We don't have a fireplace in the house, um, which is where I would normally have a fire on a day like this. <laughs> um, but, uh, but having fires outside year round has been a, such a grace and and a joy. So I'm, I'm so excited that you wanted to have a fire for our storytelling today. <laughs> I know. I'm there like, Tom, I have this vision. The winds want you to tell a story around the fire. You know, they didn't tell me they were going to give us a little wind in the background and a nice cloud covered day, which is perfect from what you said about your story. And yes, let's talk just before you get to the story, let's end with the story more. And then sure. let's just tell, tell us about your new evolutions and and what your, your, your soul's been clamoring for you to do for the last couple of years? Clamoring. <laughs> clamoring. <laughs> clamoring. <laughs> clamoring soul. Yes. Um, 
when I was young, I had a vision, um, a, a mystical experience, one might say, as many of us did. Um, and it, <laughs> the winds are picking up just talking about it. <laughs> Yay! Um, the, uh, the sense I had from this vision was that um, there was a possible future for humanity that um, didn't yet exist. And even glimmers of it were far and few between and mostly made fun of um, and, uh, and, and made into jokes, really. Um, but the vision itself was something that just woke in me a desire to, um, to believe, to have a deep-seated faith that humanity has a potential for something beyond what we have yet experienced and what I now know to call living experiences of heaven on earth. And even as I say that, two hummingbirds just flew right by me. <laughs> oh, how great is that? Did we lose the picture on the we fire? We might have lost the picture on okay, the fire. We'll work on that later. We'll work on um, that when we get there. Sure. And so um, New Evolutions is probably the 45-year um, uh, evolution, if you will, of that uh, young girl's vision. And what I can see is, um, at least as I see it now, is that there are millions upon millions of souls around the planet who share this vision. They may have different words around it. They may have different expressions of how it will come about. I have to hold on to the umbrella because the winds are really ah. <laughs> and, um And I have the umbrella up in case it rains because, you know, computers and rain. Um, and so the uh, experience that I've discovered is that this, this yearning or this deep-seated knowing that we, many of us, millions upon millions, have um, a sense of a calling, if you will, to contribute to the future of humanity and to do it now um, in the ways that we live, the ways that we love, the ways that we work, the ways that we converse with one another, um, the courageous acts that we take upon ourselves and um, invite others to join us in. And so in that, I've discovered that there's soul groups that we fit into that are um, informative and rich and um, uh, help people really see what an extraordinary and unique role they play, even though there are millions upon millions of us. Because that's really important to me too. Like there's a uniqueness to this, um, which I know you must also have a value for because, I mean, honestly, you just wrote a book about the winds of spirit. <laughs> that's pretty unique. <laughs> so. Well, and as you know, it, what, well, you know, because we used to take walks along the beach and it certainly wasn't the book that I thought I was writing or where I started out or how we started out in that cooperation together. Um, and, and they're still laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I have heard my versions of laughter. I so understand that. <laughs> oh, like, you know, one time recently they told me, we just picked you because you're good for working. You know, we knew you'd get this done. I mean, who else would sit here and, you know... <laughs> <laughs> and you have, I mean, I have known you as this journey um, has undertaken itself through you and um, you've become a diligent servant um, uh, and I would say in many ways an obedient servant to, um, to the mission. And um, that's not something that's often lauded, you know, and celebrated in uh, 
in our culture and certainly among those who follow, follow their spiritual paths. Um, I, I really think you've done something extraordinary already and there's something yet to be birthed here <laughs> as we are in the midst of right now. Right. And so the, the, so I must fall into the soul group of doers. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> there isn't no? one. <laughs> oh, there's no, the souls don't do. No, the soul groups are things, are, are, are really broad descriptions of things like um, uh, humanitarian visionaries and oh. um, those who are dedicated to consciousness and sustainability. Um, uh, um, the emergent feminine and those of us who are birthing that um, state of consciousness that integrates the highest expression of masculine and feminine. Um, now that might be, are you one of, is I mean, that yours? Is that one of yours? I would imagine you really, I, embody, yeah. I, you know, I discovered these by um, being the kind of student of life that I am and um, started to see myself in them and then seeing you know, a multitude of us uh, in them as well. Mostly, I'm humanitarian visionary. That's the one that uh, most strongly um, speaks my soul's expression. And I know, um, the, I know an, an expression of all five soul groups. Um, and I've done a lot of work, you're right. Uh, years ago, I was uh, leading um, very uh, in-depth um, integration work about the feminine and masculine. I'm going to take a look at our fire here. Yeah, do you want to see if we can it, get that one it, up? Yeah, it needs me too. So let okay. me. Okay, I'll go back to me for a second then. Great, low power. Hi, everyone. It's me again. We've got, we've got some. Here we go. Here's the fires back. Hold on a second. She's getting the fire back, um, which is really great because she's going to tell us a story about, at the fire. Look at this great fire. Now it's up here. And suddenly, look who else we have. <laughs> is Michael there? No, Jace. Oh, where I can I got to put my glasses on. Oh, hi, Jace. How are you? <laughs> my city sometimes comes too. In the fire. <laughs> That's great. I love oh, that. Too funny. All right, let's see if we can uh, do two things. Get you a better view of the fire. We had a great view of the fire there for a moment, yeah. and um, so Tambra is is so. Well, who is your ideal client these days? Then, if we're all like, oh, what you just put on there? So this is um, cedar and nice. uh, rosemary from the property. And, um, so this I is her property with all these trees and everything. She's a tender of, of this land and she's building a, um, a labyrinth on it. I am. And oh, look at that. It's stoked. All right. That's great. Now you can yeah. warm those hands by the fire <laughs> as you tell us a story. Okay. So I, Tomber's a wonderful storyteller. So after she tells us who, who the clients that give her the most excitement to work with, let's, uh, let's have her tell us a story by the fire. Hold on, we'll go back to you for a second. Okay, great. Um, who? Well, certainly people who uh, have an, some um, language or understanding for uh, a deep knowing that they are here to contribute to um, the path of humanity from here. Um, they may come in and, in and out of their faith about that, because we all do. Um, and, uh, and they'll naturally find themselves identified, self-identified with one, uh, one or more of the soul groups. And 
Um, they're more com complex to describe here now. That's okay. Um, but uh, the only other thing I would add to that is that there's a, um, a curiosity um, and a courageousness to bring that desire, that vision, that calling that you have um, into your day-to-day -day life. Like, this is not like one of those, like, um, you did one thing one time and you're like, yeah, good, I fulfilled that mission. This is a lifelong contribution. And, uh, and so people who I love to work with know that, even if they come in and out of their real understanding of it. How wonderful. So yeah. you're going to tell us a story today. Tell, yeah. uh, tell What are we going to, oh, here's Jace. Here's Jace. We get Hi, Jace wants to hear the story. So yeah. you're going to tell us a story today that has to do with the solstice? Yes. Yes. Shall I begin? Yeah. Shall I look at the fire while you talk? Yeah, why don't you? I'm not sure how I'll go long. back and forth. All our technology is going to stay connected. So let's take advantage of the fire. <laughs> let's look at the fire while we can. <laughs> yes. So this we get into storytelling and story um, listening mind. Um, I think often that hearing stories is like hearing dreams, that we're invited into a symbolic world and into things that might not be so obvious as just the words that are expressed. <laughs> so this story begins as many do and have um, a long, long time ago. And this one in particular, way, way far to the north. So far to the north that when the sun shone, oh, she was glorious. And she reflected off the fjords and the glaciers and all the crystal blue waters and the springs. And her sun came, her sunlight came down on beams. Like you can sometimes see, I'm, I'm catching them in the, in the camera. It's amazing that we're getting this, that on her streams of sunlight, these beams of light that shone down onto the earth were known to travel the souls who would become the next beings on the planet. This great celestial being was very much a female goddess. She was known as a feminine being of, of light. And she's gone by many names and been known in many cultures. And in this land, she was also seen as being somewhat elfin. So she had a, a bit of a magic to her beyond just the light. And one day, she was glancing out among the space in which she lived and she reached her right hand up and she gathered four celestial or a group of celestial beings. And in that they became her mighty steeds and these grand horses, celestial beings themselves would carry her in her light chariot all the way around the universe. And as she traveled around the universe and, and lit the, <laughs> the, sky, the, the wind is really doing a number here. <laughs> I love it. And as she, I'm not sure how much more fire we're going to have her name. That's okay. Um, as she circled, the beings on the land knew that she was with them when the daylight shone, her light illuminated everything. 
and she caused the green of nature to burst forth. And she caused the warmth of the beings who lived on the planet that they could give birth to each other and celebrate and create harvest. Now, she was really known for being um, a being of the South. Now, one might think that that's just because these people were so far to the North that they would have a story they'd have to tell about this <laughs> light that came only sometimes, like it had to go away, so it must be deep into the South. But there were times when she would move at different speeds and they just didn't really know what to make of it. Well, here's what they didn't know. They didn't really know that there was another really masterful being, quite magical in itself, that's known as the wolf. And in this culture and in this story, the wolf is a symbol, if you will, of great hunger and masterful hunting and deep desire voracious desire, the kind of desire that can guide it to pursue what it most wants endlessly. But the wolf is also known as death. Not the bringer of death, not evil, not wicked, as so many times we've heard, but the wolf is of the underground. And in the underground is the darkness. So when the people of the planet saw this mighty sun goddess with her celestial steeds carrying her across the sky with her beams of light bringing down new souls, and then she would leave, they knew she'd come back the next day because there she'd be. And then she'd take longer to come back and longer to come back. Because what they didn't know is that the wolf was chasing her. And so her steeds would carry her faster and faster. And so she would be zooming by <laughs> faster and faster because she was chased, being chased so voraciously by this wolf. Well, as the days drew darker, and she came for shorter and shorter stays. The wolf drew closer and closer to this mighty elfin sun. And one day, the sun came into light for just only a moment. And it, it was barely light, almost a blue-gray doll. <laughs> Maybe a lot like here now where she just barely shone and then darkness came again. And the next day, barely even that, for that was the winter solstice and the day that the wolf reached her and ate her up. And when he ate her, the light went away and the stillness came and the darkness came and the quiet came. And with that, <laughs> the wind seemed to come too. <laughs> and with wind. that, the, the, the people knew that they had known her all along and she was the bringer of life. So they didn't really know what to make of this. And they let themselves 
celebrate all she had been, much like we might do at a, a wake or a celebration of life when a person has gone. Or when a beloved, my cat's sitting right here, when a beloved animal has passed, that we might celebrate the life for everything that they had contributed to us. And so the people gathered together and they burned bonfires. And we have one right here, sort of. We do. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and they made music and they danced and they celebrated all the life that this mighty elfin son had brought them thinking that she might not return. Ah, but she was an elfin and magical, remember? Mm -hmm. So here she is, consumed into death and stillness and quiet in the belly of the wolf. And her magical elfin powers rebirth her, but not into the full sun that she had been, months before galloping around the universe. No, now she's a young maiden. Mm. She's young and she can only just begin to show her light. And as we know that after the winter solstice, which we call the darkest day of the year or the longest night of the year, the sun doesn't ta-da, magically reappear <laughs> and say, I'm back. <laughs> I'll warm you up. No, it takes a while. It takes months and months. And it invites us into much what the people have to do in this story of staying close and quiet and still and listening in the quietness of the winter as the maiden grows in her brilliance and her illumination and brings her golden light and the power that she has to once again gather with her right hand out into the heavens, the celestial steeds who will carry her chariot once again. This story um, is an amalgamation of stories that I've discovered from around the around the planet you'll find them you'll you'll maybe hear um even stories from the southern hemisphere of course we just do them at a different time of year but this magic of what the sun brings to us is constant whether she's with us in our direct experience or not and what i'm always um uh, an advocate of in winter is to invite us into the stillness. You know, like this time of year around the solstice and um, all the holidays that we experience and, um, or deny whichever way we go about that, <laughs> um, all the frivolity and the twinkling lights. I have lights on around my house, they're on already. Um, the, the twinkling lights and the festive music and the grog, this happens to be tea, but, <laughs> um, but you know, as we take on the spirits and we dance. This is the celebration of the life that has been brought by the sun. And then we go into the quiet. What are often called the 12 days of Christmas start on winter solstice, much as our gathering here with the I Am Symposium does. And we're invited into the still, quiet, dark. Not because we're dead necessarily, because, <laughs> you know, I'm here. <laughs> At least for now, right? But the 
that we have parts that can only birth through us when we're quiet, when we're still, when we allow ourselves to sit in the stillness and the dark. And so this was a story that mostly borrows from the North from, and from Norway, from the Norsemen, from uh, the Vikings, but will also be seen in many other of the pagan um, rituals and um, uh, uh, histories and mythologies that we can find across the planet. How beautiful! What I what I would like to what I would like to say is that the um, that pagan for some people they, it's a mis, misnomer that pagan means those who lived in the country, the countryside, and so when we, we, we talk about this time of having pagan rituals or earth rituals, such as the winter solstice, we're really speaking to this time of going back to our roots of understanding ourselves in nature, because we've gotten so disconjointed from there. And, and that's why it was so important for me when I um, wanted uh, Tomber to share a story about the winter solstice. And because we, what is it that David White says that people are hungry for stories? They want to, they can remember a story for centuries. Mm. Think about it. You know, facts, forget it. We lose our facts in two days because they, <laughs> you know, they're alternative and they change anyways. But a story is like, you're going to go home and you're going to think about the story that she just told you. Mm -hmm. So we don't have my phone to show the fire. But I think that what I'll do is I'll add some lavender and rosemary and cedar to the Oh, that'd flight. be great. I removed and the phone from the And then the I'll fire. use this camera to show us. Nice. And I'll pause before I do that so that the umbrella doesn't blow over the wind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you call upon the winds, they're, they're, they're required I, to calm. Right there, look at this foot. <laughs> they, they come. These, like, if I blow the wind whistle... I'll blow over her umbrella, so we won't do that today. We won't do that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I have a home up there on Whidbey Island, too, and it's, it's where I do a lot of my writing, and I'm looking forward to getting back up there sometime really soon to, to be in, in, in that nature. You know, the desert offers one thing. The desert offers a different kind of, a, a different kind of a experience. It kind of dries you out and and the, it heats you up so that all you do all this healing. But when you go up into the lush rainforest of the Pacific Northwest, it calls you out in a different way. These big, you know, sentinels, these trees that like have been there for hundreds of years and, and the, 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 the sound and the passage and the whales that come by and oh, the crab that comes out of the, you know out of the water it's just a, a different kind of a thing <laughs> what are you doing over there you're putting some stuff on there yeah so here nice so she sends us that blessing so tamra what's the one final thing you'd like to leave the people at home with besides for these herbal blessings you just bestowed upon the fire <sighs> well, where, where can people find you too say again where can people find you? 
Oh, well, people can find me at my website <laughs> and on most social medias. Um, and uh, my website is my name. It's spelled T-A-M-B-R-A. And my last name's Hark, H-A-R-C-K. And you get extra special bonus points if you pronounce it beautifully like Renee did today, which is Tombra Hark. <laughs> and before she gives us her one closing thought, I just want to say if you got here by some uh, synchronistic accident today, uh, you can go to the imsymposium.com and sign up because this is day one. We have 16 more days to go when I tell the 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 final story about Holder riding along the Milky Way to bring back those souls that um, that leaving form as we move forward into the new year. And, and so we're, we begin with the story and we end with the story. So this is going to be awesome. Beautiful. Stories connect us um, to ourselves, to each other, um, to the lineages, to our ancestors. Um, to times and places we've never known um, and often can't imagine. And, um, and we, we are enriched by telling them. We're enriched by hearing them, um, reading them, <laughs> singing them. Stories are um, the, the carriers um, of all the people who've been and are yet to come. So I'm glad you're doing another story. <laughs> I have to get my gloves back on. And thank um, you so much for being here with us today. Oh, so happy. And, you know, I, I think, boy, if we ever did this again, we'd have it down, right? <laughs> I think it was down. It was yeah, okay. <laughs> like the batteries would have a longer life and they'd keep burning, but uh, it's okay. might not be quite so wet and the fire would burn better, but <laughs> we're good. You know, it's kind of like bringing people into my living room to have a conversation with the people that I love. And you're one of those people. And I'm so grateful that you're here today to share this book birthing experience with me. That's in moving into the birth canal, that darkness yes. before it comes out into the world. So yeah. thank soon you. To, soon to be that new maiden of new birth. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you for sitting out in the cold today to tell us a story. You're welcome. And Jace, the cat, stayed with us for most of it. <laughs> He's sitting it. right here. <laughs> love you. Thanks, Jace. And we'll see you soon. All right. Love to you. And congratulations once again for right. reading this great gift and also for what you're doing with, um, with this new body of work. And, and blessings to you in that.